I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. Have you ever thought about going into business with a friend? Our next guest went from coworkers to friends to business partners. Let's see how these two fire signs have learned to work so closely together and see what challenges come up for Black women leaving major brands and agencies to do their own thing. Hi, this is Shannon Jones. I am one of the co-founders of Verb, originally from Maryland and now based in Brooklyn. And I'm Yadira Harrison, the other co-founder of Verb, originally from Arlington, Texas. What up, Dallas? Um, but yeah, I live in Los Angeles and now a full-blown Angelino who juices and pretends to hike all the time. Pretends. The pretends to hike <laughs> is getting me. You know, I go on two good hikes a year and then I'm like, I hike. Yeah. Hey, it is so nice to get to talk to you all. I want to kind of get a little background. Let's talk about each of your career trajectories. How did you get to this point? And what was that like, especially as Black women? Being from Dallas, uh, one thing I knew was that I wanted to leave Dallas. Not because I didn't like it there, but I just felt like there was something else that was motivating me. And I really wanted to really either get to New York or LA. So I ended up applying to Syracuse thinking that that was a lot closer to New York City than it was. Um, went there, studied communication and rhetorical studies and music industry and political science and thought I was going to become an entertainment attorney. And then little by little, I feel like every year was trying to really find my way of like being on concert boards or doing, you know, university union type stuff or just trying to find like where in media I really wanted to be and then figured out. PR was the way I really wanted to go and then really thought about it and was like, oh no, it's marketing. So left Syracuse, went home to Texas for a little bit and then decided, you know what, I do need to get back to New York. Spent a year at a startup education company, being a marketing coordinator and assistant. Then after that, I did one year of that and started at Macy's, working for the Macy's Parade and Entertainment Group. And that really was the next nine years of my life of clowns and fireworks and flowers and fashion. (laughs) And then because I'd always been on the brand side, you know, I just knew there was something else out there for me, especially being at a brand and doing stuff that had been going on for like decades. And so I wanted to 
something interesting and decided to you know go to the agency side and it was fun because I went from a place that had been celebrating over a hundred years of being a business to working with Airbnb at the time who was just getting introduced to LA. That literally was the first thing I did in the first three weeks of being on that job was we launched in LA. Did that for five years and that's where Shannon and I met. And then after that was when we decided to start Burb. And um, for me, when I was young, I was cheerleading and like playing sports through the Recreation and Parks League in our town. And one thing that always fascinated me, I don't know why I was so hooked on this, but the businesses that would sponsor our teams and like the name of the pizza shop was on the back of the jerseys or the name of the car dealership was on the posters. And so I ended up being a junior board member on the recreation and parks board and working with local businesses and things on how to get funding for our programs. And at the time, my godmother was the head of advertising for the Baltimore Sun. And I just thought that was so cool that she knew all these business owners in our city Mm -hmm. and worked with them on partnerships with the Sun. And so that was, I guess, my first exposure to the world of advertising and marketing. And so I pursued that in college and did various internships. At the time, I thought I really wanted to focus on sports marketing. So that was a specialization that I did with my communications degree. And my professor in sports marketing, he used to bring in all different types of speakers. Michael Jordan's agent, a woman who was a co-founder of a marketing agency, they had just done the FedEx field naming rights deal. And I was really fascinated by that space. And he mentioned that she had a job opening. And I said, yes, absolutely. That's what I want to do. And so I interviewed with her and she said, you will be bored in six weeks. And I'm like, I promise you, I will not be bored. (laughs) Please give me this job. She said, no, but you should go to our headquarters in Connecticut. And so that's how I ended up with my first agency in Connecticut, where I was there for five years, so just a little over five years. And it was a really incredible time. They had a lot of really big partnerships. At the time, Singular Wireless was one of my first clients, worked on FedEx account, worked on Final Four every year, like just some really, really, really big temples. And working on Singular and AT&T, they were sponsoring like every tour, fashion week, like all these really incredible projects. And so from there, I went to a media agency called Group M in New York and they were creating a new division focused on entertainment and sports partnerships. And so that's where I really got to learn a little bit more about the media side of the business. And then I worked for a handful of other agencies over the course of my time. And then I actually started as a freelancer at the agency where Yadir and I met working on an Airbnb project. And the day I started was actually the day of the launch of their rebrand, which, you know, stood out to me so much. And I always joke that I was definitely drinking the Kool-Aid from day one and just loved working on that brand for so many years. And so we've had such a varied background, but I think it just really helps our skill sets complement so well with her being on the brand side for so long. But me having worked always on the agency side for the last 20 years. And do you feel like this work is easier to do as Black women? Do you feel like it's harder to do? Do you feel like you have advantages? Do people seem to naturally want to hire you? Are they skeptical? What's your response when, you're, mm. you know, when you've been going through your industries? All, all of those questions are very leading. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that is actually one of the reasons why our agency has been viral for only 
um, since we started almost six years ago, because there's just been such a natural trust built in, you know, when one CMO sends us to another, that we have been able to avoid the prove it energy that can come with a black owned or black led agency. And Yadir and I, interestingly enough, had spent most of our careers in what people would consider more of a general market type of role. Mm -hmm. The Pennzoil account was not multicultural. (laughs) You know, that's not necessarily our traditional background. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is not multicultural, you know, but I think that we certainly have a unique perspective and sensibility that we can bring to the work that we do without being necessarily classified as a multicultural agency. But I think that those referrals have been very critical to our success in not having to have that prove it vibe. And the fact that we have had such varied experience, you know, we are proven, you know, we do have the receipts. And I think that we take pride in that. And I think that gives us a certain edge up where we're not just looking for a shot or looking for a chance. Like we have done a lot of really incredible work over our careers. And that's what I think builds trust in order for one person to refer us to other folks. I'm going back of like, was I heard? What did that look like of being a black woman in those spaces? And because a lot of those spaces were, you know, there were not a lot of people, if any people who looked like me, that's not proven, but I was trying to to find out if I was one of the first or if I am the first Black woman who was full-time working, you know, in Macy's in that capacity and the parade team, because I remember getting there and no one looked like me, mm-hmm. you know? And so there is a certain authority that you can bring, especially when folks want to know about quote unquote culture mm-hmm. or, you know, what's interesting and cool. You're young and Black, so you must know what's interesting and cool. So they will listen to you for that. But when it came time to think about systems or finance, how the business should be run or why we do need HR and reviews and things of that sort, that I wasn't necessarily always listened to. So I think that in some places, being a Black woman in these spaces is very much highly regarded, but I think that in some, and you're heard and you're asked for your opinion, I think in some places it's very much of like, eh, your opinion doesn't belong here or we got it from here. But I've seen, I've seen both sides of that and been part of both sides at the same companies in the same roles, which I think is, there's such an economy there that comes with that. I'm in the marketing space. And so I also feel like it, it can be a benefit because people seem to just inherently trust me to tell them what's cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a black woman like I just know all the things and I'm gonna like be able to figure out what is going to be trending a month from now but then when I've done contracting work or even attempted to like okay what if I go out on my own what if I do my own business it's always that those beginning questions of like why are you charging that much well do you really know how to handle a big budget well can you prove it like tell me more about who you've worked with it's like a lot of proof that I didn't need to do when I was working as an accessory for a company. But then when it's just me and my talents alone without, you know, a a white man to to say, yeah, she's good. Then it was like, well, I don't know if we can trust you to do this. Baby, you preaching. You you preaching good. Anyways, okay, we getting into it. Yeah. When I heard you guys talking, I was like, I can see people being like, yes, you know, she's amazing. We we need to ask her first. But then Mm -hmm. I can also see them when you get too big or you try to go out on your own, then being like, yeah, no. That is facts. No cap. With the prove it dichotomy, I think what's really interesting at our previous agency, Yadira and I were definitely the the most senior level black people at the agency, but we were also leading 
some of the largest accounts at the agency at the time when we left, multi-million dollar P&Ls. You know, the last project that we had worked on together at that agency was a multi-eight-figure budget, and that was pretty common for us to work on. And so it's definitely an interesting dynamic when someone might hesitate to still give you a $25, $30 million budget to work with when there was no question about it when we were the executive producers of these other things Mm -hmm. under the helm of this previous agency. And so that is something that, you know, is still a consideration to this day. Even with our experience, there are times that we have conversations with potential clients and they'll ask us, I know you've done this, but have you done it as a verb? And it's like, no, we haven't always done these large scale things as verb, even if the 15 years prior to starting our own company that is the only thing we did. It's definitely an interesting dynamic. When we first started the company, one of the things that we used to say was the only thing that's changed is the letterhead. Like Mm -hmm. we are still who we were two weeks ago when we were running these massive accounts with these large teams and incredible budgets. But as the company has evolved, we know that is not necessarily the case. Like we are different leaders. We are different thinkers. We run our companies differently. We have a different philosophy and ethos on how we engage with our clients and partners. So it is much different than the letterhead changing, but our experience and capability has not changed. How do you not let your agency become a, this is strictly for black and brown people? This mm. is, you know, kind of be pigeonholed into like, Mm. oh, they do black work. So that you can go for them. Oh, you're black owner. Yeah, you can go there. And how do you, I guess, keep yourselves open to everybody or or do you even want to do that? I think because we come from general market, a lot of times when folks are referring us because we are about referral, a lot of those folks have worked with us in those capacities. A lot of them don't look like us. So when they are referring us, they are referring us to XYZ thing that doesn't have any cultural something nuance to it. Mm -hmm. But when we are talking to some of our black and brown folks, a lot of them are doing the heavy lifting and heavy work in these brands of bringing forth, whether those are titles or activations or influencers or, or those spaces where they're doing amazing work, but then they call upon us. And then it's like, we are now just in this playground with them. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's great. And we want to do that. And that's the work, but then they're not necessarily sharing, you know, us with everybody else that's outside of that. And so We have found that we have been pigeonholed a little bit, usually by folks who are doing the work. And that makes sense. They want to make sure that like they're getting our best of best, but we're like, Hey, you can share us out a little bit. You know, we're not going to no longer pay attention to you or give you our 120% to now give to them. And I think that sometimes that's what happens or that folks think like, Oh, okay, you start with me and then you move on. And then I have to, you know, find a new partner and things of that Mm -hmm. sort. We have definitely, um, seen both parts of that and still in some in some places and some with our clients we have not necessarily because a lot of times you're like oh it's like a scout ant of like you go in and you do a project or you're working with someone and you think like okay it's going to lead to the next thing the next thing the next thing and bigger and bigger things especially as things are getting their award winning or they're bigger or there's a bigger budget to it but it's like no you're kind of like you're relegated to this you know you happen to be 
two black women who started an agency, you must be multicultural. Yeah. And what we say is like, we bring a cultural nuance to the work, but we are not multicultural because that is a very important work. And there are agencies that do that work, that they go deep with that. And that's who you should partner with. But mm-hmm. if you want to do something that has cultural nuance, or there are moments to be in those spaces, we're happy to be in those spaces as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's a very tricky place for anybody, whether you're in the multicultural space or your quote unquote general market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So much gatekeeping that happens because we get so excited when we find a black business and we're like, we just want to keep something for ourselves, which (laughs) makes a lot of sense. You want to keep it for yourself and you're also afraid that, okay, if I pass you along to someone else and it doesn't go right, that's now my name. Mm-hmm. that I've now referred you to someone like that's a real thing too that we've also seen we've seen not with us but we've seen with others that that can kind of backfire that's even backfired on us of like hey this is you know who we should be working with but it's not necessarily the right partner at the right time so i think you know the gatekeeping thing i think is super it's super tricky i don't even know how to expound upon that cuz it's it's a it's a delicate balance yeah i just think of like finding a new restaurant or spot and just being like, okay, I don't want like everybody to know about this because it's going to be gentrified in any minute, you know, if it gets, if it gets out there. And so it almost feels that way about all industry of just wanting to keep it, which is understandable, but also like, do the people who own it want that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that question. So tell me about you all working together and meeting and the cultivation of your relationship, especially to the point of doing something so big like this? When I first started the company, Yadira had already been there probably almost a year. And she was working on this Airbnb launch event and came back to the office in New York and was just like, who is this random black girl sitting here? And we didn't talk that much for the first few weeks. And I think something came up about Beyonce And that just set it off. It was like, oh, okay, you're my vibe. So from there, we were pretty cordial. But one really unique thing about working on the Airbnb business, especially back in the day, we had to live together when we traveled. It was like everyone was staying in an Airbnb listing. Oh. And the vibe was, okay, let's pool our little money so we could get a better place. You know, you have 250 and I have 250, then let's get a $500 a night place. And so 
that's what we always used to do as a team. And so that really accelerated the relationship and accelerated the intimacy in a different way because you're not just in the meeting with your coworkers and then back to your hotel. So that was, I think, critical to shaping the foundation of our relationship, even as colleagues. And we worked really closely together for many years. And Yadir and I were just talking about this recently of just some of these moments over the course of our relationship. Like the first time we hung out outside the office was actually at um, the Veuve Clicquot Polo Classic <laughs> in New York. And that was like our first time like, oh, are you going? Are you going? Okay. And like going with our separate groups of friends with them meeting up there like, oh, I like you outside of work. And so- there were just some of these little things over the years that we started to spend time outside of work that built our relationship. But I think when we meet business partners now, I think it's fascinating for like friends that have never worked together to start a business together or people that just met and vibed and decided, let's start a business. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that. It's like married at first sight vibes right. to me. <laughs> But we had the benefit of working together for so many years so closely and building that foundation of trust and having like a really good work dynamic together that it felt very natural when it was time to start a business together. That's so cool. We really did have to learn how do we work? How do we want to run teams? What does leadership look like? Okay, we have to also go through growth moments and stages together where even when we first met, like we came in under two different roles and Mm -hmm. then within a year, like our roles flipped and we started like working more as a team because we were kind of a little bit siloed in the beginning. We had to learn about all of those nuances very early on, which I think helps. You know, we've both been in the situation where we've been asked to start businesses with friends or with other colleagues or things of that sort. And it's like, yeah, that sounds good and great, but nothing felt as easy as this did of like, okay, we can just take the magic. And I used to always say we're lightning in a bottle. Like we can take the lightning in a bottle and we just, all we're doing is moving where that bottle is located. And that's kind of what this has been. And we've had, before we got started, we had five years of doing this and doing this very successfully. Cause I think that's the other thing. It wasn't like we were both sitting around and like, Oh, you know, we don't know what to do. No, we were actually like winning awards and like doing really great work that was really compelling. And we saw, you know, whether it was folks that are at the agency we were at or other agencies um, throughout the industry, copying a lot of the stuff that we had dreamed up and collaborated on with our clients. So to just take that and then to create verb and then be able to do that with someone that you now call a friend. And, you know, at this point now you call your sister, like we're just in a very different space from where we first started, you know, on that one row looking at each other, like who that, who that. (laughs) Okay. So tell me more about why was it important for you to start this? And was there anything going on at the time where you all looked at each other and were like, yeah, now's the time. So we were doing really incredible work through 2016. Like I said, winning awards and doing a lot of that stuff. 2017, I needed to move to LA. Our company was like, Hey, go to LA. Here's another client. What you just did over here for Airbnb, do this for this client over here. Great. It did not go as according to plan. And so really just spent 2017 just trying to like really figure it out. Now I'm in a new city. I went from New York to LA trying to figure out, okay, what's my footing? Where do I fit in this company? Where do I fit? And it's a weird place of like, you kind of have a new team that you're leading, but you're still learning them. But then you have this old team that, you know, where we were and still are pretty close. Where do I fall in this? And just trying to not fall into a place of just, to be quite honest, like depression. Nothing seems to be going right. 
Um, and it just, it was like one thing after another was coming, it was like from reviews to meetings to meetings I was no longer invited to. Like, it was just like one thing happening after other, and I just couldn't figure it out. And so for me, I just started looking around and thinking, what's next for me? Started interviewing and, and, but there really wasn't a job or anything out there that I really wanted to do. But at the same time on Gchat, talking to Shannon and she's like, yo, here's the nonsense I'm going through. And she's out there looking and she's kind of saying the same thing. I'm like, there's some cool jobs, but we don't know if we want to go and continue to do this with other people where it feels like they kind of have control over our fate a little bit. And so we decided, you know what, we are just going to at least test this out. We gave ourselves a hundred days to do that. And in the beginning, like, I think the days are just ticking down and then someone presented an opportunity and we just were like, okay, we got to come up with a name. We got to do this. We get that first deck is still terrible when I go back and look at it. <laughs> like we had to get it together really, really quickly. So that way we could just launch. You know, I think when you take too much time waiting for the right moment, mm -hmm. like this is the moment. Um, and then we just jumped on it. But for, for me, it was basically just like year of turmoil and like, I need to do something about this. I can't wallow in this anymore. And then for Shannon, she can tell you some of the things going on, on on her end. I would say there wasn't one thing that tipped the scale for me, but a series of things. One big pivotal moment was salary negotiation during my review and I always had in my head that I wanted to be an angel investor. And in order to be an accredited investor, you had to be making at least 250K a year. And so that is what I had set my sights on. Like, mm -hmm. this is where I want to go. And through the salary conversations, I felt like we were getting there. We were getting close. And then after we had gone through contract renewal with the client, it felt like a bit of a backpedal of like, we said we would try not that we could get to that number. And it was very disappointing, very disheartening. And that sort of felt like the beginning of the end for me of, I just knew, okay, I have to figure out something else. And so that was probably Q2 of that year. Like that was definitely a catalyst in me thinking about where else I might want to be and looking at different types of opportunities and not feeling like anything was exactly the right fit. And I think people had said to us again, like, you all should do something together. But that really didn't, at the time, didn't feel like a priority for me. I didn't necessarily have aspirations of owning my own agency. I just thought I would climb the corporate ladder and the goal was just make six figures and be mm -hmm. a VP and that sort of thing. I didn't necessarily see a model of like, oh, I can own my own agency. And then there were projects that I worked on for a really long time that ended up going on like an indefinite hold. And I've shared this story before, but I was working on an event in China and after the event, we went and we walked the Great Wall. And that's the perfect place to have a life epiphany is at the top <laughs> of the Great Wall of China. And so I just said, you know what? I'm putting in my notice when I get back. So I got back from China and I gave six weeks notice. And then Yadira gave two weeks notice. Just so happened that our last day both ended up being on the same day. Um, wow. And then the following week we started our company. Something you said, Shannon, just like resonated with me. And, and maybe this is a black woman thing. Maybe this other people can relate to this, but you're just kind of moving through. You're like, so I have this like goal in sight. It's usually not like too far off. You see it. And then when yes. you get to that goal, you're like, okay, now what? So then you just set another one and you keep going along because you can't really see how amazing you could be. Oftentimes we're living in these environments that are telling us 
we can't, whether it be directly or indirectly. Yes. So then one day it's like you wake up and you realize like, I could do my own thing. Mm -hmm. I could leave mm -hmm. this. I could do that. And like all that confidence that has kind of been laying dormant comes like absolutely back into you. And you're like, I can, I can actually get to this point, but I didn't even see this as a dream I could have in the beginning. I love that you got there eventually mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. were able to see that you guys could be this powerhouse together. You guys seem to have this, you know, clear, strong relationship of trust and you work well together. Like I can just tell just from this, right? I don't even need to <laughs> do anymore. You work, you clearly work well together. What advice would you give other people who want to go into business with their work friends or childhood friends or any people in their life who they haven't been on this adventure with? What are the important things that they need to know, you know, to build this relationship further? Live together if you can in subcapacity, whether that's like seven days in a row in the same hotel room or apartment or something, because there is something about the 24-7 nature of it all, of really learning the ins and outs of somebody, because yes, we had to work together, but that's where we ended up learning that we liked one another and that we could exist. Like, And we had to, you know, sometimes when you're together for a long time, like we know on that fifth day of like being together... <laughs> we are probably not talking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there is something about like taking that time to really sit down and ask yourself the hard questions in that time. Because we also had to do that when we wanted to start of like, I had never been on the freelance side before. And Shannon was like, are you prepared that someone is not going to sign your check? A, a check is not showing up every two weeks when we're starting this thing. And I had to really dig deep and think about that. And so we had to have really deep conversations. All of those things that were just early on conversations that we really did have to like have and really explore. And some stuff was, it can be uncomfortable of just like, okay, let me really be vulnerable with you and tell you why this might be. Or, you know, even we had to talk through money. Money is a massive piece of this, of like, why do you want to make more money? Why do you want to make more money? Why do you need I to? I always want to make more money. <laughs> yeah. You know, but then you have to get to the root of it of like, okay, why do you need to make more money? And this is where therapy has also come in for both of us, where we both are now, I was telling people, and now Shannon's telling people the same thing of like, if you want to get into this, whether you are solo or you have co-founders or whatever, therapy helps because there is so much that comes up running a business that goes to your core that goes to your values, that rubs against your boundaries. So for us, we had to work through those things together. And we've seen the difference pre-therapy and now. I would say main two things, if you can, extended stay together, ask really great questions um, of each other and get really comfortable with being vulnerable. And if you can, find a therapist to help you through it. Have you guys ever had a therapy session together? I crashed hers before I had my own therapist. Oh my God, I was like, really? I need to talk to her too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. This is like a marriage of sorts. So oh, yeah. like you have therapy before you get married usually and, and yes. enduring. So yeah. Yes. Therapy has been huge. And Yadira, you know, I think that even pre-therapy, our first business coach was like mini therapy, mm -hmm. you know, just really walking us through things or she would read our answer, our separate answers to different questions and like synthesize. And she was absolutely incredible to the foundation and the success of our business. Shout out to Janae. But I think one thing that was so interesting for me was watching the transformation from Yadira going to therapy. And I was like, okay, yeah, I need some of that too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's just, it's been really incredible. And 
you know, unpacking a lot of the things that you, they're below the surface and they impact how you work. And one of the things that I carried with me for so long with this like hustle culture and like grind culture was you can't grind yourself into feeling deserving of success. And as we started to build a company and make more and be more successful, in the back of my head, there was this subconscious thing about, I have to prove to my team that we should be making this much, or I have to prove to clients they should be paying us this much. And and it's like, prove what? You know, you've paid your dues. You've done the work. You've been at it 20 years. There aren't enough hours for you to grind to justify this amount of money. And so that was very freeing for me as we thought about the growth of our company. So I would say hands down therapy, you know, just getting your mind right into being in partnership. Entrepreneurship is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. And it's not just about, you know, people like, I want to set my own schedule. I want freedom. It's like, that stuff sounds cute, but that's not necessarily the reality of the day to day. Mm -hmm. But I think in addition to what Yadira shared, therapy for sure is something I absolutely recommend for any partners looking to go into business together. This is so good. So much great advice for people listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and thank you to Shannon and Yadira for sharing their story. I'll be back next week with another story that you can relate to or learn from or both. Take care of yourself this week and remember to let your work speak for itself. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.